Greetings, greetings. It's such an honor to be with you another time, and I'm here with another word, amen, from the Lord, and this is entitled, Blessed and Grateful. That's right, this message is entitled, Blessed and Grateful. Now, our foundational scripture today is found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse number 22, and I'm reading the King James Version, and it says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he added no sorrow with it. <clears throat> Amen. The reading of God's word is already blessed. And I believe that if we're looking or wondering what is the criteria of being blessed or what proves that we're blessed, and I believe that this scripture is the perfect criteria. When it is the blessing of the Lord, it makes you rich. And it adds no sorrow. And there are so many things that we engage in as a means to uh, get rich or to get ahead in this lifetime. And if you look at a lot of them, there are consequences. There are people that engage in drugs or stealing, to name a few. And they put themselves in harm's way. Uh, so the sorrow there is a stressor, really, because they're looking over their shoulders or, you know, there's always uh, a paranoia that travels with them. But it's amazing when God blesses us, and if you are in Christ, you are a new creature, and the thing that makes you unique as a child of God is that you are blessed already. Once you've, once you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you've been baptized in his name to identify with him and you're filled with his power, which is the Holy Ghost, you are, my friend, blessed. And you should be grateful. Because God's blessing is with no strings attached. And I think that that's important for us to understand right off the bat. We live in a time where people are attaching so much fine print and so much adage onto being blessed. And we live in a time where we speak of blessing as if it's something that futuristic it's nothing that is already established we don't see it in that from that perspective now if we're trying to say in terms of futuristic that it's going to manifest in the future i'll accept that but i believe before the foundations of the world jesus died for us and inclusive in that package is our blessing you know, we often sing that old time song, or we you probably haven't sung it, you know it. Jesus paid it all. And the last time I checked, all 
A-L-L means everything. He paid for everything. It's not like you went to a buffet and Jesus said, okay, I only paid for the entree. I didn't pay for the soup and salad. He took on the whole bill, drinks included. And oftentimes we can get the picture from others that, you know, Jesus paid it all, but he left off the gratuity or he left off the dessert. All, ladies and gentlemen, means all. And if our effort is necessary to validate it, it means that we're paying for it. And I can't say it any clearer than that, but I, I feel that I had to get into that because what we're talking about today is the bag. Many are chasing the bag. And if you are listening to me and you tell me you're not chasing the bag, you're not telling the truth because in some form or the other, you realize that the rent has to pay, mortgage, uh, car note, all of these things. Kids have to eat, family got to eat, you got to eat. You need the bag in whatever size it is to get these things done. So we are all chasing the bag. The criminal is chasing the bag. The person that's sitting on waiting on the bag, not doing anything, is chasing the bag. You need the bag. We're just going about it in different uh, ways. You know, so the truth is, if, like I said earlier, if we are in Christ, being new creatures, there's a new way of doing things. In other words, if you are in Christ, the bag is already yours. You ain't got to chase it. The only thing you've got to do is position yourself and I liken that to a child that has a parent that's wealthy I'm sure we all can relate to this you may not have a parent that's wealthy or you wish you had one and we can relate to the fact that if you're going to get or be an heir to what that parent has you've got to follow the rules. You have some parents that'll say, look here, you don't want to obey my rules. Even when I passed on, I'll donate it to charity. <laughs> That's on another level. But in order for you to reap or for you to partake in what your parent has, although you are the heir, there are some rules and regulations that govern or determine whether or not you're going to be an heir or not. You know, we're talking about chasing the bag today. We're talking about the bag. We're talking about, we're, sorry, we're talking about being blessed and grateful. So, you and I understanding that, hey, there's criteria, like everything else. We have to position ourselves. If you were delinquent, if you were doing your own thing, you now have to behave yourself and get in line. You've got to listen to what mommy or daddy says if you want to partake of the bag. I know I'm making sense to somebody. We can remember this when it was allowance time or bonus time at home and your parents, they got the money, they got the goods. So if you're going to get whatever you want, whether it's a vacation or extra money or whatever, 
you've got to wash those dishes you've got to clean your room you've got to get in line you've got to position yourself and that's all that God requires from his children from his heir which is you and I we've got to position ourselves think about it if you haven't positioned yourself how are you gonna partake of the bag the blessing that's already been allotted for you how are you gonna partake of it if you're not in position whoever is in position is going to partake of it and that's why the story of the prodigal son in particular we want to highlight the elder son this is this is why the father didn't understand his argument number one beside the fact your brother's returning home and we could have lost him out there but he's now returning home to us safe and sound so we need to throw two parties you're married because we're throwing one party we need to throw two parties the argument that or the position of the father was look here you you've been with me so whatever is mine is yours it isn't that is like the father was saying not because I gave out inheritance means that I'm now in the deficit excuse me I didn't cease from being your father whatever I have is yours so if you wanted a party we didn't need an occasion for a party. I wonder if you understand what I'm trying to say. We could have had a party just because. We're just celebrating because your brother's returned. But you need to understand because you are in position. Everything that I have is yours. The bag is yours. This son was in there the bag. He was he took his inheritance and ran. But you were with the bag. You were in position. And somebody needs to hear that today. There is value in staying in position. There is value in aligning yourself with the perfect will of God. Because that's where the blessing is. Okay? So many are chasing the bag. <laughs> but the truth is, those of us that are in Christ, we ain't got to chase nothing. So now, when we look at this topic, we've got to ask, the golden question which is what makes us blessed because I believe that's the question of the day what truly makes us blessed well let's look at the Word of God Romans chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 says what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh had found for if Abraham were justified by works he had wherefore to glory but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was and it was sorry, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And I think that that's important to take note. So many nuggets here in this scripture. Abraham, our father according to the flesh. Then it goes on to say, if Abraham was justified by works, he had he was to be glorified because it was his works that would have positioned him but it wasn't his works how do we know that it says but not before God because God is not or he doesn't justify by our works we're justified by his works the scripture says 
by grace are ye saved through faith how do we enter into God's grace let's find out for what saith the scripture Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness so belief belief in the grace of God believing that Jesus's blood was for you was for me was for us when we believe that we enter into his grace it's our belief this is what is necessary and because he believed God the scripture says it was accounted him for righteousness in other words <clears throat> I'm sorry for Abraham to walk in the ways of God it required him to believe God oh hallelujah that's something to digest there because quite often we don't understand that what we do is a response to love or it ought to be a response to love because the grace of God is actually the love of God in action but what we do in response to that love is us reciprocating the love of God it, it shows that we believe because we choose to obey so it's not by works lest any man should boast it's by God's grace so what makes us bless our belief in what Jesus has already done no routine or no uh, six step plan seven ten step or how many steps anyone is going to tell you is going to cause you to gain or achieve something that God has already done we simply have to believe that Jesus paid it all once we believe that we grant ourselves admittance into the grace of our God <clears throat> excuse me but it goes a little further now because God has the final say regarding our blessed state or our cursed state that's something we got to digest there so it means that nobody outside of God determines whether or not we are blessed now the God that we serve is a God of principles is a God of commands is a God of laws so he, the, these things have, have already been written whether or not we acknowledge these laws and these principles whether or not we acknowledge them they have already gone forth they have already been given and the time of our, of our ignorance uh, God winking at that has already passed because knowledge has been given the scripture declares that we perish because of a lack of knowledge simply saying that there are a lot of things that have already been declared by the Word of God and we oftentimes walk into these things and we receive the fruit thereof so when it says that God has the final say his word has already determined whether we're blessed or we're cursed so think about it if God says that you're blessed because you come to him and you surrender all to him 
and you choose to believe the lie that somebody else is saying that you have to give a thousand dollar seed or you've got to spin around six times and you're blessed then you make the word of God of none effect and now you're cursed oh yeah I said that something to consider because you dismiss truth for lie you dismiss truth for gimmick so God's blessing can't reside with you because you refused it you prefer something that's itchy to the air something that's more attractive so you refuse foundational truth for lies and you will reap that listen to numbers chapter 23 verse 8 and verse 20 it says how shall I curse whom God hath not cursed or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied behold I have received commandment to bless and he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it the person speaking here is a prophet and his name is Balaam he's speaking to I believe it is Balak Balak's agenda is to curse Israel Israel is in transition on their way to the promised land and Balak wants to slack their riding he wants to stop their momentum because they're toppling nations because of the hand of God that's with them so Balak understands that if I'm going to get the victory over Israel I've got to curse them now what Balaam is pointing out to Balak is that hey the power to bless and to curse is with God and I want you to see how important this is because Israel at this point in time had no idea that Balak was attempting to curse them but guess what God knew and there are many um, opinions and um, views on Balaam's situation there are some that believe um, that he was a backslidden prophet there are some that believe that he was just a, a somebody practicing divination uh, there are many views but nonetheless the gift and calling of God are without repentance so even if he was a backslidden prophet he was still called by God if he was somebody practicing divination he was still called by God there are many people that work the gift but they're not working for God that's some that's another message altogether but in in the midst of this Balaam is able to hear from God I believe that that's undisputable and what he finds out is that God has blessed his people and because God has blessed them no one can curse them in other words this message ought to reside with us there are many people that want our downfall that want us to be cursed they want to curse us but because God has blessed us no agenda no plot no plan no tongue that rises up in judgment against us is going to going to prosper because we are the heritage of God and the righteousness is, is of our God it has nothing to do with us it's all because God has put a stamp of approval on us and now we are the righteousness of God so it had nothing to do with Israel now I want you to understand this Israel was a, still a rebellious nation God was going to with these people they was giving God trouble but God loved them so he blessed them 
and it didn't matter who had opinions about them, they couldn't reverse what God had instituted. Okay? So, listen to Genesis 22 and 17 to 18. It says, That in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now this is God talking to who? Father Abraham. Notice all that God said that he would do for Abraham. And all of that that God promised was, was contingent on one thing, Abraham's obedience. We see his initial obedience when God said to leave your father's house and go to a place I will show you. A true act of faith because God didn't tell him to go down the street. He didn't tell him to go to any specific location. He just said to go. And I'm going to show you where you're going to go. So it's blind faith. Abraham was a man involved with, uh, well, he served the sun God. So he was familiar with the worship or worship, idol worship. But I don't believe at no point in history had anyone or his gods that he served before had spoken to him so directly and so significantly that it caused him to leave because Abraham wasn't a poor man I don't want you to think that Abraham was lacking he had possessions because the gods that he served those small g's now the small g gods we're talking about they were providing for him but this god and I'm telling you there's something about when God calls your name it's something about when God singles you out. He has the ability to touch your heart like no other. This same God was the God that held the, held the heart of Pharaoh in his hand. Pharaoh had many gods that he served too. But when the God of glory moved on him, he had no choice but to respond. So our God is sovereign. But Abraham's blessing was contingent on his obedience and it's the same for us today god hasn't changed there are many things that god has said and he's declared and the way we receive what god has promised is through our obedience to our god so the question would be after understanding that god is the one that blesses and curses the question would be, how effective is a curse on me if I'm commanded to bless in return? So ponder that question a minute. How effective is a curse on me if I'm commanded to bless in return? Well, it's telling us then that a curse, unless it is levied by God, has no effect on you. <laughs> I want you to think about that. Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 44. It says, you, you have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them 
which despitefully use you and persecute you. What is our Lord teaching here in this New Testament um, that is being delivered to the people? He's teaching us the principle of those that are blessed. You see, you can only bless or you can only bless if you are blessed. You can give what you do not have. I, th I believe that that's a, uh, a principle that we've got to understand. You know, the, the Lord taught that there should be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know, they get you, you get them back. But under grace, we're being taught to pray for our enemies, to bless them that curse us and do good for those that hate us and despitefully use us and persecute us. We're required to bless them because when we do these things, we enable the grace of God to activate because we are we're operating from a, a state of blessing. Now, am I saying that um, we can curse somebody? Well, yeah, we can, but God won't align with something that is contrary to his word. We can curse till the cows come home. But if the will of God is not aligned with that, God, God is not going to allow that to activate. Am I saying, on the other hand, that somebody that is cursed can curse us? Well, their curse will work on somebody that is not blessed. But if you're blessed, you're sealed, you're covered. The hedge of God's protection is around you. So you're safe from all harm. So the gist of it is we've got to do unto others as we have them do unto us. All right, let's listen. Let's look at Deuteronomy 19 and 21. It says, And I, and I shall not pity, but life shall go for life, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. The old covenant. This is how it worked in the old covenant. Covenant, sorry. It was a tick for tat type thing. You know, it was law and then judgment. It's like, you did something, you stole my cow out, steal yours back. And so on and so on. But under grace. And, and the word grace is so powerful. Which means unmerited favor. Now we get to exercise the favor of God. Under, under grace. Uh, let's look at Matthew 5, 43 and 44 again. And it says, again, Jesus said to his disciples. You have heard that it was said to those of long ago that you shall love the one who loves you and hate the one who hates you. But I say to you, love your enemies, do good to the one who hates you and vexes you and pray for those who persecute you and oppress you. So this is the new messianic version that I'm reading now. Was to say, I read the King James earlier but I, it was important for me to read the new messianic because i wanted you to see some things that jesus said he says again jesus said unto the disciples you have heard that it was said to those of long ago that you should love the one who loves you and hate the one who hates you 
But I say to you, love your enemies, good to the one who do good, sorry, to the one who hates you and vexes you, and pray for those who persecute you and oppress you. So in spite of what they do to you, even if they vex you, don't we have some people that vex us, right? We are responsible in still blessing them and praying for them, doing all manner of good to them for the glory of God. Alright, this is how the this is how people with the bag operate. This this is how the blessed and grateful operate. Now I want to point out something. In all gospel accounts and Romans twelve and fourteen, the word blessed is used like this. The Greek translation of blessed, um, which is eulogio. Um, from eulogio we get eulogy. Right? That's familiar, right? Now, the amazing thing, I, I noticed something. Um, I was at, uh, my grandmother passed um, a few years ago, and I noticed something. I was with her in the hospital, uh, I believe it was a week before she passed, and I noticed that while in that hospital, in the hospital room, there was just one vase of flowers there there was just one vase with some flowers I, I took note of it because I noticed the total opposite when she died it was like the flowers were coming out of everywhere from the north from the south there were just so many flowers and and I and I got uh, uh, total understanding. It, it's you know it's in it's common for us to show utmost appreciation or to give the flowers when a person is gone and they can't see them for some reason. And in in most cultures, I believe this is how it's done. You know, there are a few people that want to turn the tide and they say, "Well, give me my flowers while I'm alive." But it is customary. I'm sure we won't argue that the bulk of the flowers that any person is going to see in their lifetime is going to be at their death, funeral, or anything of the like. But for the Greek word to be eulogio, which is where we get the word eulogy, is like God is telling us at Matthew 5, 43 and 44, you've got to love these people to death. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. Because the truth is, when we're alive, people seldom show us the love like we're dead. Because I guess now that we're gone, or uh, that person is gone, there's no more, you know, you've lost your opportunity, the chance to show them how you really feel. So that funeral, that gravesite is like the last effort, the last opportunity to put your all into it and I believe God is asking us even while we live and we have enemies and opposers oppressors vexers that we should love them to death even if hey if you need to buy them some flowers buy them some flowers I mean excuse me to somebody that may seem extreme towards your enemy but I want you to get the gist of what Jesus is saying this is something that is out of this world. This is truly a kingdom move because the natural person wants to hurt their enemy. 
they want to do all manner of evil toward them naturally but the kingdom message is love your enemy yeah so that's something to really think about now let's move on it said abraham was familiar with the requests but this time god's promise was attached to it what request was that the request the request that abraham was familiar with was god asked him to kill his son isaac his only son the son of the promise and i'm saying that to emphasize that god was not putting or sending abraham down a road he was not familiar with remember i said earlier that abraham worshiped the sun god among any other among many other gods but in particular the sun god one of the main requirements of worship to the sun god that in chaldean culture was human sacrifice so there were many chaldeans like abraham who offered their children and loved ones to the sun god as a form of sacrifice so abraham was not was not uh this, this didn't catch him off guard this was something he was used to but the difference with god's request was it was like god was putting him to the test i it's like god was saying i i know i saw you in times past offer sacrifices to the sun god now i'm wondering if you would do the same for me it was like god was putting him to the test and ladies and gentlemen god didn't just put him to the test blindly now because you have to understand now this must have worked on his mind god is asking for the son that he said he would make him a father of many nations all of that promises we read early in genesis it would come from this son and now god is saying offer him and abraham believed the scripture said he said in himself well maybe god is going to raise him up <laughs> but nonetheless abraham made to sacrifice he and when god saw that he was intent on doing it god stopped him so i i said that to say you know even as we are in pursuit of the bride there are many things that god has given us and in most cases it is the key to our promise but now god is asking us to offer it or give it back to him are we willing because ladies and gentlemen i'm here to tell you that it's a test because if you pass this test your promise is on the way now bless or blessed is a state that we enter into with god by a way or by way sorry of a covenant relationship and i think that that's important to understand the covenant in this case was instituted by the blood of jesus no small thing a great sacrifice for sinful man we were guilty of the charges but we were acquitted 
we were washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we have entered into blessedness. Man, I wonder if you understand what I'm saying. So don't allow anybody to dummy down what God has done for you. Don't allow anybody to try to cause you to pay for. It's like a form of witchcraft. You're, you're trying to purchase the gift of God with money. Jesus paid for your blessedness with his blood. So don't allow anybody to trick you. We are in covenant relationship with him. Now, there's a criteria for blessing. It's a lengthy read, but I got to read it. It's found here in Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 8. Listen to what um, the word of God says. And it, shall, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations, of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the lord thy god blessed shall thou be in the city and blessed shall thou be in the field that shall thy blessed shall sorry be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground and the fruit of thy cattle and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep blessed shall be thy basket and thy store blessed shall thou be when thou comest in and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that arise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall command a blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now this is God's blessing that he promised this was the criteria of his blessing toward Israel. And because we are, some people call us spiritual Israelites, which I believe we are. But because we are more than that, we are the sons and daughters of Abraham. These blessings belong to us. These, this is the criteria. But what enables us to partake of any blessing that is spoken of in the word of God is our adherence to God's voice, our obedience. So trust God, not the process. I, I know we've probably heard that before, trust the process, but sometimes the process can be so stressful. And if you're fixated on the process, I believe you can lose track of who you're really in it for. We're in it for God. He is greater than any gift he is the blessing he is the blessing he is all that we need now i've slotted this under real religion and i believe this is what real religion is giving prayer and fasting which were once secret and sacred have been put on display for the approval of the masses and what do i mean by that we live in a time when these three areas are being exploited and if we're not careful we're offering these things uh like our pearls to swine we're offering them and these things are worship they are 
things that should be offered exclusively to God for sweet-smelling savor. But we're living in a time when these three areas, and I listed them all, giving, prayer, and fasting, are being exploited by the masses. And they're tainted. But we've got to be careful. Listen to Matthew 6, 1-4. It says, Take heed that you do not your arms before men to be seen of them, Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine arms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine arms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy arms may be in secret, and thy Father which see it in secret himself shall reward thee openly when we look at what Matthew 6 1 to 4 is saying we see the importance as Jesus taught this was the Sermon on the Mount of course as he's teaching he's admonishing them to be careful of allowing our offering to God which is giving prayer and fasting to be exploited by others how do how will they exploit it or how do we exploit it when we showcase it openly these things are designed to be i guess you can call them closet things things to be done in secrecy because they are sacred and they're unto god but we live in a time when they are being exploited and i'm sure you see it um I have no direct problem with praying openly, but I but we've been cautioned if you read Matthew six, it tells us not to use vain repetitions, not to use many words. There are certain criteria that have to been that have to be met. When it comes to giving, we've been admonished to let not our right hand know what our left hand knows and so forth. When it comes to fasting, it says don't be like the hypocrites that like to frown up their faces and all type of thing. So God has a problem with us doing things to show others we're doing it. We don't need cameras to be present when we're giving. We don't necessarily need them when we're praying. We do. We definitely don't need them when we're fasting. It's a it's worship unto God, and when we invite these things in. We cause our worship to become tainted. I hope that makes sense. But I, I believe that being blessed is different from a bonus, you know. And the truth is, when you look at it, people may ask, well, what about when somebody um, gives you something or, you know, uh, does something for you? I believe that is all a part of the package. And to prove my point, listen to Luke 6 and 38. It says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you measure or deal out with all, it shall be measured to you again. Excuse me. So understand the principle. True blessedness is in us or it's demonstrated when we give. That is what true blessedness is. We show forth our blessedness not when we ask of people. 
it is show forth when we give what if everybody had that attitude that didn't say let me see what i can get what if everybody had that the attitude that said let me see what i could give man this world would be upside down with the goodness of god okay so we you know and i and i proven this over time you know you know and i i believe that you know association oftentimes we are guilty of association i remember i learned to beg and i say i learned it because if anybody knows my nature it's not my nature to beg it's not my nature to um i guess what's another word we can use or oh, ask of anybody for anything um it's not my nature if i need it then the lord will have to provide but i learned to beg i won't go any further to say who i learned it from but let's just say i learned it and it became a common practice to me and you know there came a point where i said i didn't i i had honestly do assessment say i didn't like what i had become because i noticed that begging had become a very um usual part of my life and it was happening on a daily basis and i had to really roll back the curtain somewhat and i and i had to do an accounting and i had to ask myself when i begged was i more ahead when i begged or when i just trusted god to provide what he promised and what i found out is that when i begged I barely was able to I guess make ends meet if you want to use that term but whenever I trusted God and it was between me and him he knew what I needed before I asked and I just trusted him to make a way there were many days I would be driving in my car because that's what that's that's my secret place apart from home and I'm shouting and singing his praises because he did it without me even having to ask but just because we have a relationship just because I'm in covenant with him he provided the need and superseded whatever I could have gotten through begging and we're talking about the bag man we're talking about being blessed and grateful and I want to point out a couple of noted no sorry notably blessed people the kind of a tongue twister there i want you to pay attention to this list abraham which we've been talking about all day listen to this now and abraham this is genesis 14 18 to 20 and melchizedek king of salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the most high god and he blessed him and said blessed be abraham of the most high god possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be the most high god which had delivered thine enemies into thy hand and he gave him tithes of all now the amazing thing about this story is first of all the king of salem melchizedek it's believed that this was a theophany this was an encounter abraham had with god face to face and the amazing thing was the scripture says that the king of Salem, God bless Abraham. And as a result of God blessing him, 
Abraham in return gave unto God tithes of all. And I think this is noteworthy because God or the king of Salem never asked Abraham for anything. We see a pattern here, and I believe patterns are important, especially in the word of God. God gave to him, he gave to God. Uh, so that's something to take note of. Let's look at another notably blessed person, the grandson of Abraham, Jacob. Kind of a lengthy read, Genesis 28, 16 to 22, and it says, And Jacob waked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first and Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God, and this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So here we see the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, now he's on his own, he's moving toward uh, his uh, uncle's house, he's on a journey and in the midst of his journey he has an encounter with God. He sees angels ascending and descending and he deduces that hey, this, the presence of the Lord is here, this is the house of God. And he makes a vow with God that night and he says if you're going to keep me, if you keep me in the way. I will in turn give you tithes. I will pay I will give you the tenth. So here we see again God did not institute the giving or he didn't ask for anything. He didn't even ask for tithes. These men of God decided I'm going to I'm going to give it unto God. I'm going to do this. So and it's also important to take note because this all preceded the law of tithing that eventually came into place to facilitate the Levites and the poor and uh, the Levites, the poor, and yourself. And all of that is covered in scripture. In particular, Leviticus 27. You will see that God made provision for these three areas. The Levite initially, because they had no inheritance, the widows, the poor, tithing was made possible for them, and also yourself. When you could not make it to the temple, you were permitted to use, and this is the only time the tithing became money, by the way, and you were permitted to spend that money for your sustenance, for whatever your soul desired, as the scripture said. So, all of that is noteworthy. Because we see that God is the initial blesser. Because blessing comes from God. It doesn't come from man. This is something that God has set up. And who God has blessed, ladies and gentlemen. No man can curse. 
So the, the truth is the fortunate or the blessed don't need man's fortune. They really don't need it. And I want to show you an example that proves this. Listen to Genesis 14, 21 to 23. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread, even to a shoe latchet, sorry, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich. Now, I want you to see how resolute Abraham was. The king of Sodom, of course, wants to do a nice thing. You know, Abraham has just helped him with the battle of the kings, and he's gotten Lot back, and they've gotten their families and everything back. And the king of Sodom is saying, let me give you some of the spoil. And Abraham, understanding the principle that blessing comes from God, he says, look here, I don't want to walk away from here with you saying that you gave on to Abraham. And as a result of you giving to Abraham, I caused Abraham to be rich. And Abraham didn't mince words. You know, and he wrote on that principle. He stood firm on that. And as a result, he didn't take anything from the king of Sodom. Sorry, the king of Sodom. He said, give to the men that partake in the, in the battle. But I, I, I don't want anything. And I believe that that has to be our resolution. We've got to understand that we don't need man's approval. When God is ready, he will cause men to give. He, he doesn't need our help in the in the blessing game he's already blessed us and as a result he will cause our baskets and our store to continuously overflow ephesians 1 and 3 says blessed be the god and god and father of our lord jesus christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in christ so if you're wondering where is your spiritual blessing how do I connect with all that God has done for me? Understand, like I said earlier in the message, if you're talking about something that is yet to be manifest, it's a different story. But as for the state of that thing, according to Ephesians 1 and 3, the blessing that you are expecting from God, which has already been given but not yet manifest, is in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So it means that in order for you to partake of that thing, of that blessing, you've got to remain in Christ. You've got to get in Christ. Abide in Him as He abides in you. And you will ask what you will. And He promised that it should be done. So I want to encourage you today. We're chasing the bag. We're all chasing the bag. But I'm here to tell you that if you want to get the bag, the true bag, if you want to truly be blessed and grateful, you've got to chase Jesus. All right? Blessings on you. Greetings, greetings. You've been listening to The Soul Place, and it was such an honor to have you stop by. Well, until next time, blessings on you.